our theme this year is you walked in, you saw it in the lobby and you've seen it on the screen is, is heaven's joy. And that's a word that we picked intentionally for you because over the next year, you're going to hear about joy a lot more as we really kind of try to unpack and discover what it means for us to live in the joy of the Lord and what the joy of the Lord does for our lives. And as I was thinking about that, uh, in particular, where we would go over these next few weeks in Advent, I really thought about what it might be like for us to prepare to experience heaven's joy and to be ready for what that means. And so today I want to I want to really talk to you from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1 about what it means to prepare our homes for heaven's joy. I want you to think about that for me, preparing your home for heaven's joy. And, and we're going to look at a, a story that might be familiar to you if you have ever read the Gospel of Luke around Christmas because it centers around the coming of a child named John. Now you'd say, well, what about Jesus? We'll get to him. Uh, he comes, but, but John came first uh, because he was Jesus' cousin. You may remember that when the angel visited Mary in the, in the Matthew account, he says, you know, you've got a cousin that's going to have a child too. Elizabeth is going to have a child. And so as we thought about that, I want you to think about what it means to prepare your home. And we're going to read quite a few verses in chapter one. You just keep your Bibles open. But beginning in, in verse eight of Luke chapter one, I want to read for you. And I want us to think about four things this morning. I want you to think about preparing your home for God's plan. I want you to think about preparing your home for, uh, uh, to get your home in order for what God might do. I want you to think about preparing your home for a new name. And I want you to think about preparing your home for a question about our children. So think about that with me today as we think about preparing our homes for this season. In Luke chapter one and verse eight, it says this, when his division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of the incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside and an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said, don't be afraid. Why does he say that? Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this, Zechariah asked the angel, for I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things have taken place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled at their proper Time. If I could just set the stage for you, there's a, a, a family that has been waiting a long time to see God do something in their lives, Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth. And they're just doing what they should be doing. And, and what I mean by that is that where we find them is that he's doing what he should be doing. That if you want to be found by God in the right place, just be found doing what you should be doing. 
You know, don't ever let that be a surprise when God comes to visit you, when an angel comes to speak to you, you be found doing what you should be doing. He's doing what he should be doing at the temple, about to go in and offer incense. And these people had been praying that God would do something in their lives for a long time. And what it seems like has happened is that that prayer might have been a little bit in the past, you know, because the way he answered when the angel spoke to him. But God was saying to them, get ready for my plan. And as often happens when God comes and speaks to us about the plan that he has for us, it just takes us by surprise because it's never exactly what we thought it would be. Your life probably hasn't turned out to be exactly like you thought it would be. Mine certainly hasn't. There's been some disappointments. There's been some things that are way better than I ever thought they could have been. There's been some things that I had hoped and dreamed that God didn't have for me as part of his plans. There's been some things that are still unfolding yet that I don't quite understand, but this happened in their lives. And I want you to notice his response. Did you notice his response to the angel? How can this be? I'm old. I'm old and my wife is beyond when she should be having a child. His response kind of fits what ours would be, right? You know, it's like that prayer that he's, he's prayed for so long and I just wonder if he'd kind of given up on it, kind of like, you know, Lord, we did pray for that at one time, but I'm not so sure that we want that now. Have you ever prayed that? Lord, that sounded like a good idea 20 years ago. But today it doesn't, I, and he's kind of dumbfounded by it, but I want you to see a couple of things about God's plan. Number one, God's plan never fits your timetable. It just doesn't. I mean, it's just very rare that in God's timing, it just matches up sequentially to your thoughts about his timing. In fact, at the beginning of the year, we're gonna spend a long time in Isaiah chapter 55 studying about how God's thoughts aren't our thoughts, his plans aren't our plans, his ways aren't our ways, his timing's not our timing, but there's something divine in God's plan. And in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life, it absolutely disrupted that because it didn't fit their timetable. They wanted that a long time ago. And now he's thinking, I mean, maybe this is not such a good idea, Lord. You know, I mean, I got a little arthritis, can't throw the ball with the boy. I don't know, Lord. I mean, like, is this really your time? We, we, we kind of thought we were past that. And God's saying, no, my time and my plan, it disrupts these things because it doesn't fit your timetable. It disrupts your life. Zechariah's response was that. And Whoa, I'm super old. I mean, it's, it's past that. But it also disputes your natural ability to reason through something. God's plan oftentimes just doesn't make sense. You say, Lord, are you really calling us to do this? Is this really your plan for our lives? And, and, and he was saying, they said, my wife is past the point. She can't have kids. Naturally, this is an impossibility, Lord. It's not going to work. But God's plan in our lives often does that. And as we think about this season of our lives, and we make preparations for what God's going to do, I want us to be ready for God's plan. I want us to be ready for God's plan to, to not fit our timetable, to disrupt our life, and to absolutely blow our minds with what he might call us to do. And, and we need to be ready for that. We need to get our homes ready for that. And I want you to think about it like this. Think about the people that are living in your home right now. You say, well, I've just got some roommates. Or, or Great. Think about who's living in your home. Think about the children that you have or grandchildren that you're raising or, or your husband or your wife. What is God's plan might it be for you as you go forward? I, I want us to seek that as a church. I want us to seek that as individuals to be ready for what God might do. And let's be ready for the fact that he may come and totally disrupt our plans and it may be a little bit uncomfortable. It may not fit how we thought it was going to be because God's doing something. And when God does great things in our lives, 
it very seldom works according to our plans. But he's always working. The scripture says that God's plan is unfolding for us. It's a good thing for us. He has plans to prosper us, to give us hope and a future, right? That our best days are not always behind us, that God's work in our life can be in front of us. And we shouldn't always be looking back. We should be looking forward to what God might be doing. And so it might ask us to go home or might cause us, I should say, to go home and ask some questions like, Lord, who is it that you want us to engage with the gospel? How do you want us to, to use our family to do that? And we need to recognize that these things happen really quickly, right? You have these seasons in your life with people that are kind of brought into your life in God's plan and then it's gone. It happens when you have young children in the home. You have a, a group of friends at the daycare or the preschool that they go to and then everybody scatters to different elementary schools and you have a different group of their parents' friends and, and then you have a different group in middle school. And high. It just changes these things. And we need to be ready for those opportunities, recognizing the time is short that we have and that those seasons of our lives should be open to God's plan to engage people with the gospel so that God can use us and use our homes. Secondly, we see that we need to have our home in order. I want you to read verses 24 and 25. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me and he's looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. Five months, the scripture says she went home. What do you think she was doing? Do you ever think these things or am I the only one that just sits around puzzled by these things? I imagine, and this is totally just some holy imagination, we'll call it. I don't know. But I imagine that the house wasn't ready for a baby. Do you think it was? If you thought that dream had gone on, would, would, would you have some things to get ready for? You know, maybe you call it nesting, so to speak. Any of you ever, women ever doing nesting? You're right. You, you know, you can always tell when somebody on my street's having a baby for the first time because Amazon comes every day, you know? <laughs> And the boxes pile up on the front porch and they get this room ready and they fill it with all the boxes. Then you gotta get all that stuff out of there to get ready for the baby, right? I mean, there's just some things that had to happen. And I, I don't know what all she had, but you know, we know that the savior of the world was born in a manger, but it doesn't say that about John. He's born at home, wasn't he? They were getting ready for that. There were some preparations. There was some stuff that had to happen. And, and I think about a Christian home needs to be ready for what God's doing all the time. We need to be ready have our house in order. Uh, you know, you ought to be ready to celebrate the Savior. I, I, I love driving around and seeing the decorations and, and maybe for you that means putting all the inflatables in the yard and getting the lights on the roof and, and doing, doing those kinds of things. At, at our home, there's some things that happen uh, that, that are a little bit meaningful to us. You know, there, there's some things that show up only at Christmas that cause us to think about some loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord. You know, I, I've mentioned this before. My grandfather thought it would be a good idea to collect these things called gnomes. Do you know what a gnome is? They were everywhere. He had gnomes everywhere. And I think he thought that was going to be a blessing for us that we would really inherit something. You know, unfortunately, the gnome market crashed and you couldn't give these things away. And, and, and we don't have any of them, but I have a Santa Claus one that we kept and every time we bring it out, I think about my grandfather. I, I think about the legacy of his life. I, I look around our house and, and I think about that. But, but it's so much more than that, isn't it? To have our homes decorated is it, it, not just that. It, 
It's that we're ready. We're making preparations for our homes. For instance, have you thought about what you're going to say to your family that's gathered on Christmas Day? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about which passage of scripture you might read as a family and, and what you might center that discussion around? I mean, that's an important thing. You know, it's an important thing for us to not just get caught off guard on Christmas Day and the week leading up. I mean, that, that we're ready for those kinds of things. Have you made your, your preparations to, to be here on Christmas Eve and, and be here on Christmas Day? And please, don't ask, are we gonna have church on Christmas Day? No, we're not. Yeah, we are. Come on. It's the celebration of the Holy, uh, the Holy King coming to be with us. That's like saying, are we going to have church on Easter? Yeah, we are. You know, and if you're laying around in your jammies eating eggs and bacon and stuff, shame on you. Be here. You be here. We're, we're going to celebrate the Savior that day. You ought to be ready to do that. Make your plans now to do these kinds of things. This shouldn't be a surprise or something like on Christmas Eve, you sit down and take a straw poll. Hey, y'all want to go tomorrow or not? What are you thinking? You know, let's get here. Let's be ready to go. Let's come and be ready to celebrate what God is doing. I mean, think about it. On that day, that ought to be a, a rising of praise from this church and churches around the city as we celebrate what God's doing. We make our preparations for that. Our home, our hospitality should be on display during this season. You say, why is that? Well, well, this is the perfect time for you to brew a pot of coffee, bake some cookies, buy a pie, cut that thing, and invite the neighbors over for a drop-in. You, you, you know what you get to do in that? You get to tell them why you have hope. Come and be part of this. Just come by for a minute. We're grateful for you being our neighbor. That's called a gospel engagement. We talk about that all the time. There's no time like this season for you to do that. Christmas parties are easy. Just pick up the stuff. You don't know what to buy? Come see me afterwards. I'll tell you everything to buy. Little Debbie's. <laughs> peppermint ice cream. Santa's white Christmas ice cream. If you haven't tried it, it's amazing. You need, to, you need to go check that out. Get you some hot cocoa. Make the apple cider. Buy those little cherries that are covered with chocolate. The Queen Anne's cherries, they only come out once a year. Get some of that stuff and just put it out there and invite people over. It's a great time for you to do these things. You know, I think about this and I've, I've thought about this verse all week and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give you the preacher moment here. This absolutely doesn't fit with what we're talking about. I'm gonna read it anyway, okay? So just bear with me. But I couldn't, I couldn't help but think about it. It comes from Peter. First Peter chapter three Verse three and four, Peter's talking about the relationship wives and husbands has, and he just says this, don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry, but rather what's inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. And ladies say, well, how come he's only talking about me and he's not talking about the men? Because men didn't get facials back then. If men did get facials and that kind of thing, he'd be saying, men, spend a little less time on yourself, you know? The point was not don't get a haircut. The point was not don't wear a watch or a, a ring or something like that. What was the point that he was saying? He said, in all the outward adornment that you're doing, the inside's most important. So you got a lot of things to get ready for your house. That's what I, I couldn't get away from. It. I kept coming back thinking about that. You got a lot of things to get ready on the outside of your house and making preparations and you're probably doing that Christmas shopping, all that kind of stuff. That's all important. Make your home ready. Get it in order for what God's going to do. I think as we think about that, a, 
a great question we ought to be asking, is there anything in my home that shouldn't be there? You know, as we celebrate the coming of the Savior, when we read the Old Testament, there's always this thing. Get rid of your foreign gods. Get that stuff out of the house. Don't have that in here anymore. And you say, well, how would I know if there's anything that shouldn't be in my house? Won't you ask your kids that at lunch today? That'd be a great discussion starter. Hey, do you think there's anything in our home that shouldn't be there? Maybe they'll tell you something. Ask your grandkids that question. Ask your spouse that question. I mean, let's just dedicate ourselves to the Lord to get our homes in order for the Lord. You look at verses 61 through 63, we see that this boy was given a name and it was a surprising name. In verse 61, it said, they said to her, none of your relatives has that name, the name John. And so they motioned to his father who still couldn't speak. I've often thought about this. I, you know, I love people that put their foot in their mouth in the scripture because it makes me feel like there's hope for me. Do you know what I mean? And here's Zachariah. Well, how am I going to know that this is going to happen? Well, you won't be able to speak. You're mute. Man, should have thought about that, right? He can't speak. His son's been born and he's still over there pantomiming and writing on a tablet and stuff. They're trying to name this child. The motion of the father to find out what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John and they were all amazed. What's in a name? Why would we need to prepare our home with our name? I was born and my parents picked the name out of a book. There wasn't anything special to it. It was, yeah, you know? If you Google my name, it says God peace. I think that's not true. I just think somebody made that up to sell a little like bookmark or something. You know, I don't know. It's just Jeff. But maybe your name actually means something. Do you know that the scripture says that we have a name that we've been given? It's interesting. When you look at the scripture, what's in a name? Well, God often changed people's names to indicate the new direction of their life and what was going on. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarai, Sarah. Jacob was the deceiver, becomes Israel. Right? Remember that? Cephas becomes Peter. Saul becomes Paul. What, what was going on in this? What, what's the idea behind a, a new name? Well, in our names, we think about this. When we met Jesus, something changed. We used to be called sinner. Now we're called saint. Now we're called child. What a difference. What a transformation in our lives. What's in a name? God had a specific name for this baby boy, John, to be named. And it broke with tradition, but it was because God was doing something special and everyone needed to know it. And so they call him John and your name was changed. You're not the same as who you were when you met Christ. It's changed everything. Once we were called the enemy of God, now we're called friend. Think about that for just a second. Think about what it means for the old to have passed away in your life and all things to have become new. And I want you just to understand what it means for us not to be at war with God anymore. You know, we often talk about Jesus being our peace and we think about like, Oh, I'm peaceful because of Jesus. And that is true, but he himself is our peace because he came and brought closure to the gulf that was stood between us and the Father. He died in our place. He was our ransom. He paid the price, right? And so what's happening here is we've got a new name. In fact, Revelation 2.17 says there's a new name that's given to us in heaven. There's an old gospel song. I won't sing it. But, but it says, I've got a new name written down in glory and it's mine. Yes, it's mine. I want it. 
right? That, that God did something in that. And I want you to think about that this morning because if we're talking about having our homes in order, maybe we should be living up to the name that we've been given. Is there any part of your life this morning that, that is kind of going back into that old stuff, that old pattern? It's so easy to do, isn't it? Do you find yourself doing it like I do? You just get stuck in that. Sinner, no, 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 child of God. God doesn't love me. That's not true. He called me his friend. You know, when God called me his friend, think about the change of that. You know, when you have a friend, you, you can drop in by their house and hang out. You can call them up. You can say, let's hang out. Let's, let's go eat dinner together. Let's go, let's go do something fun together. We're not separated. It's not a formal relationship that we have. He's called us friend. We've been brought near. I think for us to think about that is a wonderful time of year for us to think about. Are we living up to the name that we've been given? See, Revelation 2.17 is talking about a day that's coming. It's a day that's on the way when we are going to receive that name. And, and that Advent, Kirk mentioned it. I mean, when we look at this, I love seeing that Christ candle right in the center. And I love that we're gonna light one of these every week and it's just getting us ready for that. And you say, man, it, it feels like we're singing Christmas songs a little early this year. You only have four weeks, you know? I mean, you got four weeks to sing them all, right? I wanna sing them all. I love this season. I'm ready for this. I love what it does to us because this ought to infuse in our lives the same longing they had for his second coming. You see, that new name written down in glory, it's mine, and I'm ready to go receive it. I'm ready for the Lord to come back and give it to me. I want it. I, 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 wanna, I wanna see that. I want faith to be made sight. And so for us, we're longing with that. And I love that we, we sang, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, this morning. I love how haunting that song is, because don't you feel it? Don't you feel that, that, that longing and, and that hauntingness in your heart of just wanting and yearning for God to come back and, and for us to receive everything that he has promised is ours. The old has passed away. All things have been made new. And I want to just tell you, if you've never given your life to Christ today, today's the day. Amen. There's no time like the present. You'll never be good enough. You can't try hard enough. He's done it all. He himself is our peace. And here's the great thing about the Lord is he's waiting with open arms. He's already paid the price. And if you would give your life to Christ today by placing your faith in him, the Bible says the old will pass away in your life. And that, that, that span that separates you from God the Father where you're under his wrath and you're literally at war with him, you're at enmity with God, you're an enemy of God, you'll be a friend of God. That's available for every one of us. I don't know why you wouldn't give your life to Christ today. Why would you hold back? I encourage you today, give your life to Christ because he has come once, but he is coming again. And listen to me, on that day it's too late. There's no time like the present to get your name written down in glory. The last thing I just want you to see this morning is from verse 66. After this baby was born, it said, all who heard about him took it to heart saying, what then will this child become? For indeed the Lord's hand was with him. I have thought about this verse and thought about what it must have been like for John's parents. They have a prophecy about who he's going to be, but prophecy is like a picture that's being slowly colored in. We've been studying the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights in our grow group. 
And I just remind you, if anybody ever tells you they have all the answers to the book of Revelation, you can laugh in their face. It's a prophecy, right? God is coloring the picture in, and it's not meant for you to know all the answers right now. It's meant for you to be aware of what he's doing in the world, and you begin to see it as the picture gets colored in little by little. That's what happens when you have a child, isn't it? You have a little kid, you wonder, what will they be? It's a question about our children, we do the same thing. As my children were younger, I wondered about them. As they are growing up and now teenagers, I'm beginning to see a little bit more of who they are and their personalities and their likes and their dislikes. And, and I love talking to them about, what do you think you might wanna be when you get out of school? What, what would you like to do? And you know why I like to do that is because I can't wait to see if that's what happens or if God takes them on 180 degree and we all just marvel at that because we wanna be ready for God's plan, not our plan, right? So we're ready for God to do that. But when you have a, a child or a grandchild in your orbit, in your house, I want you to think about this. We have a lot of questions about what may happen for them in the future, but there's some things that we can place in their lives now that shape that future. Proverbs tells us that we should train our children in the way they should go. I have questions about what my children will be and who they will become and how they'll serve the Lord. I can't wait for that to unfold. It's gonna be exciting for me. But there's some things that I can put in because I'm training. And training implies a repetition and doing things right. And I just, I just thought about this as we're all asking these same questions. What, what do we wanna see our children become? Well, I can't dictate who they will be and I can't make them serve the Lord. I can't uh, set the road for them. But what I can do is place some things in their lives now. For instance, if you have a home that doesn't have the Bible being read in it, something is wrong. Let them see you read the Bible. Let them see you pour over the scriptures. Let them interrupt you while you have your quiet time. And don't see that as, as, as an awful thing. That's a God-given moment right there. Let them come and tap you on the shoulder and ask you a question. It's a good thing to be interrupted when you're having a quiet time because it meant you were having one. You know, A lot of us don't know what that's like, do we? Let's be interrupted by it. Let's put the scripture around our homes so that it's talked about at dinner. The scripture tells us in the Old Testament that as we wake up and we walk and we sit and we go to bed, the scripture should be on our lips. The priority of obeying the Lord. Let them see you obey the Lord. You want to train a child in righteousness? How about you live righteously? Obey the Lord. Do the right thing. Let them see you wrestle when God disappoints you and you don't walk away from the faith. Let them see you wrestle with God's divine limitations on your life. If you don't know this, I, I, it's basketball season, so I bring this up about once a year. There are divine limitations on your life. Did you know that? Say amen. If you didn't, now you do. Here's the thing about divine limitations. You have hopes and dreams, and in America, we all tell people, you can be anything you wanna be. No, you can't. You can't, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bust the bubble, and if your parents have told you that, they're lying to you. They're lying. You cannot be anything you want to be. I wanted to play in the NBA. I had one problem, no talent. You know what I'm saying? No talent. JV basketball is where it ended, folks. You know why? Because that's a divine limitation. They're on all of our lives. We ought to explore God's plan for our lives and be excited about doors that he's opening and be okay with wrestling with doors that he closes because that's what God does. He opens some and closes some. And, and your kids need to see you do that and, and watch you wrestle with those things and not walk away from the faith and go, you know what? This is what we wanted. God didn't do it. We're gonna trust the Lord. We're gonna keep seeking him. We're gonna keep serving him. We'll plant those things in their lives. 
Let them see it. As you have questions about your children and who they will become, you can answer some of those things by placing the right things in their lives. Teach them to worship the Lord. Teach them to serve him with gladness. Teach them to prioritize the scripture. You know what? Some of those questions will be answered. I don't know today if you're wrestling with God's plan for your life or if you're wrestling with with how to get your home in order to, to make it right because there's some things that aren't right in your home relationally. Maybe you need to say, I'm sorry. Maybe you need to work on something at home. Maybe the outside of the home looks good, but the inside of who you guys are isn't where you want it to be. Maybe you're wrestling with the patterns of old thinking and you're struggling with your new name. Maybe you don't have a new name yet because you haven't given your life to Christ. Maybe, like me, you have some questions about your children. What we see in this passage of Scripture is that God's plan was working and God was good. And God was getting these folks ready for what he was about to do. And what he did through John's life changed the world, didn't it? Because John was the herald of the Messiah. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks as we prepare our hearts to tell others about him. But as we think about this season and all of the preparations that we have to do, how foolish we would be to run by this week and not prepare our homes. I want you to bow your heads and pray with me. Father, I believe in our midst today, there are those of us who are struggling to have our homes prepared like they should be. Lord God, when you sent the baby John to his parents, they were dumbfounded by it, couldn't believe it. And yet you were doing something great. God, may we be ready for your plan for our homes, our hearts, our church. May we get our house in order this week, Lord. If there's anything that shouldn't be there, relational baggage, hurt, resentment, things that we've made idols in our homes, things that are not righteous in our homes. Lord, would you help us to see those for what they are? God, would you help us to live according to the new name you've given us? God, we pray for those in our midst today who've never given their lives to Christ. We pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would draw them to salvation and that today they would receive a new name written down in glory. God, if you would be so gracious as to do that, we would praise you. Father, we have questions about our children, but help us to train our children, our grandchildren, to use these moments as divine whispers, to speak into their hearts and their minds and expose them to the truth of the scripture, to let them see us praying, to let them see us worship and obey you, let them see us live with compassionate hearts so that, Father, as we watch their stories unfold, we'll love how you color in their picture. We ask this in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.